what beer is this that we're starting off with, Sean? It's Sungazer from uh, Charlestown Fermentory in Charleston. And it's quite tasty. Welcome it's a hazy New England-style IPA. Yeah, Watch with Enigma hops. Shot. But uh, I really wish we had had this for the impeachment episode. Because? Because, you know, Trump is the only president I know of stupid enough to stare directly into a solar eclipse. Oh, God. That's true. That did happen, didn't it? It did happen. <laughs> it's hard. It's, it's amazing that, you know, something that dumb gets shuffled under the rug. But this is not a Darwin Awards podcast. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 10 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen. So why shouldn't movie buffs... Like us. ...decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Bingo Long and the Traveling All-Stars. Uh-huh. A.K.A. Lion King 2, Travis Simba's Pride. Uh-huh. A.K.A. Darth Travader. Oh, yeah. And I'm joined, as always, here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, a piece of the act, Sean, <laughs> a.k.a. Seanersby, <laughs> a.k.a. by Sean's Early Light, <laughs> a.k.a. the Great White Nope. <laughs> what? <laughs> we are also extremely <laughs> excited to welcome back to the show Chop Shop Regulator, Gimme Chelter. A.K.A. The Star Wars Chelliday Special. <laughs> A.K.A. Chelsea Doom. <laughs> Further description of the show. Uh, the tagline says, watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies. Sometimes they're classic films with iconic actors. And then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Disclaimer, we are not actually in favor of the remake Reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. Contemplate this on the tree of woe. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. All right, it's time to move it into our first segment, which is movie news. And this is where, throughout the week, between recordings, we try to pay attention as much as we can to news stories that we think that our listeners would find interesting, uh, that we feel might apply to our show, so on and so forth. And as is our custom, we are starting it off with the RIPs. Rest in peace and rest in power to the following. First, we've got Michael Apted, director of the 7-Up films and also Coal Miner's Daughter and The World is Not Enough. He has died at the age of 79. There's no cause of death given. Next, we've got Stacy Title, director of The Bye Bye Man and The Last Supper, has died at the age of 56 from complications due to ALS. And also, uh, Joanne Rogers, the pianist and wife of the late Fred Won't You Be My Neighbor, Mr. Rogers, uh, has died at the age of 92. Cause of death, she was 92. Rest in peace and rest in power to those uh, dearly departed. Next up, Warner Brothers will pay filmmakers for HBO Max releases. And this is kind of a follow-up story to all of the, the brouhaha, the, the kerfuffle about uh, Warner Brothers putting things directly on HBO Max. What do you guys think? 
as I've said before, it's just a matter of survival right now. So right, uh, yeah. both it. literally and figuratively yeah. and financially, they're nearing a deal to better compensate filmmakers for projects being released in theaters and on HBO Max simultaneously in 2021. Next up, confirmed weirdo Darren Aronofsky <laughs> sets film The Whale at A24. They can do no wrong in our book. Uh, with guess who? Brendan Fraser uh, set to star. And have you guys heard about what this movie is about? Yes. It's Brendan Fraser plays like a 600 pound dude who's uh-huh. like reclusive. Yes. That's about all I got. That Well, when I read that first, I my brain translated that to him living in a cave, which would be amazing. <laughs> but actually, uh, the approved synopsis for the film reads, From Darren Aronofsky comes The Whale, the story of a reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity who attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. Also from A24, I'm really just jerking off A24 over here. (laughs) Send us that money. Uh, At last, she is risen, was their tweet on Twitter. And what are they talking about, Sean? They're talking about St. Maud. This is the debut film from writer-director Rose Glass. St. Maud is a chilling and boldly original vision on faith, madness, and salvation in a fallen world. Maud, a newly devout hospice nurse, becomes obsessed with saving her dying patient's soul. But sinister forces and her own sinful past threaten to put an end to her holy calling. We've been waiting for this movie to come out for quite some time. Yeah, it's been on my list for a while. And it's really uh, coincidental because the day before you were, the day before you sent me this tweet, I was just talking to somebody who asked me, like, what movies do you think, uh, should have come out by now that haven't come out or something along those lines. And I was like, man, there's this movie, St. Maud. It's supposed to be great. I can't wait to see it. And then the next day, it's like when you're thinking of shrimp and somebody somebody walks walks by by with a plate plate of of shrimp. shrimp. All right. We got one or two more stories. Uh, Bruce Willis was asked to leave a store for refusing to wear a mask. I'm pretty sure he heard our last episode and was just trying to cover up his sphincter mouth. (laughs) I'm surprised he just wasn't barefoot. All right. So the next thing is a story that you sent me and I'll kind of let you run with it. It's uh, Kino Marquis. Yeah. Kino, K-I-N-O Marquis.com. Which Marco says Kino means really awesome. Um, I was searching for a way to stream a documentary that just recently came out. I found the website and turns out it's a kind of like a collection of all of the indie theater houses around the country uh, that are currently shuttered because of COVID and the uh, mismanagement of the pandemic. And it gives you a way to screen the movies mm-hmm. virtually from the small theater of your choice. This is a blurb from their website. Uh, Join us in supporting your community's theater in these uncertain times by buying a virtual, quote, ticket to watch award-winning international films, acclaimed documentaries, and restored classics on Kino Marquee. You will be directly supporting your local art house as all revenue is being shared between distributor and exhibitor. 
just as if you bought your ticket at the theater's box office. All right, that's going to wrap us up on movie news for this week. Uh, do you guys hear the telephone ringing? It must be time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Greetings and vaccinations, choppers. Tanya Roberts was a Bond girl in A View to a Kill. It was Eve Hewson, not Newson, in the Taron Edgerton Robin Hood film. Fun fact, the monkey who played the monkey in Outbreak is the same one who played Marcel on Friends. The principal on Saved by the Bell was played by Dennis Haskins, not Dustin. Maybe Chelsea mixed up his first name with Dustin Diamond, who was Screech. That's all. Keep masking up and washing your hands, y'all. Shit, guys, we're on a roll. I didn't recast him, but I mentioned him, and now he has stage four cancer. Oof. Yeah. We didn't execute him, though, and we are not responsible for executing anyone. Uh, the only one responsible for that is Governor Henry McMaster. And uh, that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week, bringing us to the theme of the episode. For his 90th birthday on January 17th, we're talking the films of... James Earl Jones. Uh, James Earl Jones was born on January 17th in the year of 1931. And I'm going to ask you, Sean, this is a city or a town, an unincorporated community in Tate County, Mississippi. I can't pronounce it. Uh, Arkabutla. I can't pronounce it. Arkabutla. I grew up in Mississippi. Arkabutla. I cannot pronounce it. Uh... <clears throat> He's an American actor whose career spans more than seven decades. He's been described as one of America's most distinguished and versatile actors for his performances in film, theater, and television, and one of the greatest actors in American history. Jones has won three Tony Awards, two Primetime Emmy Awards, and a Grammy Award. He was inducted into the American Theater Hall of Fame in 1985. Jones was presented with the National Medal of the Arts by President George H.W. Bush in 1992. He received the Kennedy Center Honors in 2002, and in 2009, he received the Screen Actors Guild Lifetime Achievement Award. He received an Honorary Academy Award in 2011. Uh, Jones received an Honorary Doctor of Arts degree from Harvard University on May 25th, 2017. He was honored with a special Tony Award for Lifetime Achievement in Theater in 2017. Jones made his screen debut in Stanley Kubrick's 1964 film, Dr. Strangelove. After working steadily in the theater, Jones won his first Tony Award in 1968 for his role in The Great White Hope. He starred in the 1970 film adaptation of The Great White Hope, which earned him Academy Award and Golden Globe nominations. He became well-known as the voice of Darth Vader in the original Star Wars film trilogy released between 1977 and 1983. Throughout the 1980s and 1990s, Jones appeared in a number of successful films, including Conan the Barbarian, Coming to America, Field of Dreams, The Hunt for Red October, The Sandlot, The Lion King, and... A movie called Soul Man. 
Uh-oh. Sean, did you have a commentary on this? Well, it's just, I want to throw it out there for our listeners. And anybody can uh, email us or comment on social media. So we all know that Soul Man has not aged well. But since James Earl Jones was in it voluntarily, yes. is Soul Man an offensive film? A pre-med major in college, he served in the United States Army during the Korean War before pursuing a career in acting. Since his Broadway debut in 1957, he has performed in several Shakespeare plays, including Othello, Hamlet, and King Lear. All right, bringing us to the Midnight Double Feature. Chelsea, what's your double tonight? Um, so these were two movies that I watched a ton when I was a kid. Um, it's 1993's The Sandlot. Hell yeah. Yeah. Forever. And uh, 1989's Three Fugitives. Okay, I don't know that I've seen Three Fugitives. So it Wait, has, is Nick Nolte in it? Yep. Okay, gotcha. It's Nick Nolte, Martin Short, James Earl Jones, and um, Nick Nolte's like a, a bank robber that just Isn't got- a kid? Yeah. Okay. Yes, he I've just got out of jail and he's trying to, you know- live the straight and narrow martin short's a dad i think his wife died but he's kind of desperate so he goes in to rob this bank that nick nolte's character's in and takes him as a hostage and they think the police think that they're working together and it's just them running away from the police i'm not familiar with this movie i watch this all the time is it a recommend i love it and the sandlot well duh yeah, Duh. if you've not seen The Sandlot, turn off the podcast and go watch it. Right go now. watch it. And it's rare that we tell anyone to turn off this podcast. Sean, over to you. All right, so 1976, The Bingo Long, Traveling All-Stars, and mm-hmm. Motor Kings. You almost said Travising All-Stars. You know you I wanted know, to. I know. Uh, this is a comedy starring Billy D. Williams, James Earl Jones, and Richard Pryor. It takes place in the 1930s Negro League baseball era. <clears throat> and uh what were her what were his prior films <laughs> <laughs> you're funny so you've got several uh athletes that are sick and tired of the way they're being treated by their owners in the league and led by billy d williams character bingo long they form an all-star team that essentially becomes the harlem globetrotters okay they of tra- baseball of baseball these rainbow colored uniforms and they travel across the Midwest playing various uh, community league teams and uh, their little madcap adventures. All the while, the ownership is trying to reel them back in through nefarious methods. Uh, they've got basically hitmen out there trying to chase oh, them really? down and pick them off. And so they they have some trials and tribulations. It's a really fun movie. I is it good? Strongly recommend this movie. You can, oh, shit. You can catch a decent copy on YouTube. Okay. Uh, there's a little hitch in the transfer right towards the end. Gotcha. But other than that, it's okay. Chelsea, you saw this. I loved this. You liked it. Okay, A good lot. Deal. Richard Pryor will also come up later tonight. Richard Pryor's character is pretty funny. He's pretending to be Latino. Oh, God. Because he thinks that he will have a better chance to be uh, picked up by a major league team if they don't think he's African-American. This right is, on. Of course, this is pre-Jackie Robinson era. Uh, also, so I'm pairing this with Field of Dreams, 1989 film. I've done this before as part of a double feature. Uh, this is the great film uh, starring Kevin Costner. If you recast it, they will come. Uh, James Earl Jones, Ray Liotta, 
And, uh, oh yeah, Timothy Busfield's in it. I like this movie, though. Yeah, I love it, too. And, of course, James Earl Jones plays the character of Terrence Mann, an author, yes. who uh, they, for some reason, are required to go get him. Uh, Bert Not Lan- to be confused with Terrence Malick. Uh, Burt Lancaster's in this as well. But uh, recommends for me on both of these. I just, you know, you, you mentioned, and I'm not going to steal your thunder, but uh, James Earl Jones did three films about baseball. Yes. And he seems to be a great fit. No, it's not stealing my thunder at all, I don't think, because none of my shit's about baseball. But yours is about? Uh, mine's about boxing. There you go. Yeah, so I uh, I decided to go with first to The Great White Hope, and I keep accidentally saying The Great White Hype, which I've actually never seen. The Spike Lee movie, The Great White Hype. That's what we call you behind your back. Yeah, because I am pretty hype. This is from 1970, uh, directed by Martin Ritt. It's got a 43% on Rotten Tomatoes. Set between 1910 and 1915, the story follows Jack Jefferson, which is patterned after the real-life boxer Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson, if the listeners don't know, uh, at the height of the Jim Crow era, became the first African-American world heavyweight boxing champion. Back in the movie, Jack Jefferson goes on a hot streak, defeating every white boxer around. Soon, the press and racists announce the search for, quote, the great white hope, a white boxer who will defeat Jefferson for the heavyweight title. Meanwhile, Jefferson lets his guard down by courting the beautiful and very white Eleanor Bachman. And when everyone, including Jack's black wife, wife is in quotations, discover this, the tensions grow to a fever pitch. The white authorities conspire to frame him for unlawful sexual relations with Eleanor and thereby take away his title. It leads to jealousy, a run from the law, and finally, a disaster. Moving it into the second movie, it also has great in the title. I'm talking about The Greatest from 1977. It was directed by Tom Grise, G-R-I-E-S, who actually died before the film was released. He died of a heart attack while playing tennis. The Greatest is a biopic about the life of boxer Muhammad Ali, in which Ali plays himself and James Earl Jones plays Malcolm X. Uh, Ernest Borgnine plays the trainer and Robert Duvall plays the promoter. It follows Ali's life from the 1960 Summer Olympics through his name change, his conversion to Islam, and draft evasion trial to his regaining the heavyweight crown from George Foreman in their infamous Rumble in the Jungle fight of 1974. The song, The Greatest Love of All, was written for this film by and sung by George Benson, who was later, it was later covered by Whitney Houston. Uh, So I'm giving mild recommends if you want to see James Earl Jones in two boxing movies, the Great White Hope is pretty good. All right, moving it into our feature segment, and this is going to be the recast. And this is where we take a pre-selected movie that we've all gone ahead and watched ahead of time, and we hypothetically recast a few of the main actors with contemporary actors who are at the height of their powers. And so the uh, first film that's going to receive that treatment is from 1974. It's called Claudine. Uh, this, this movie is part of the Criterion Collection. 
Uh, it's got a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is probably due to um, just people being conflicted about the circumstances of the film. It was directed by John Barry. Uh, John Barry is an inter interesting guy. He's an American director who went into self-exile in France when his career was interrupted by the Hollywood blacklist. His uh, co-writer or co-director on a documentary called The Hollywood Ten ratted him out to get out of jail. And so he bounced. He, he eventually came back to uh, Hollywood 20 years later and he uh, made this film. This was his first movie that he made after coming back to the States. Uh, and after this, he couldn't really find the movies that he wanted to make. And he settled for The Bad News Bears Go to Japan oh. from 1978, produced by the Japanese Tourist Board and starring Tony Curtis. Yikes. All right. So Claudine, played by Diane Carroll, is a single mother in New York City who endures an exhausting commute to the suburbs where she works as a maid for wealthy families while she tries to cope with six kids in a ghetto on welfare. In one carefully tended white community, she meets Roop, played by James Earl Jones, a charismatic but irresponsible garbage collector. Romance quickly ensues, but Claudine doubts that their relationship is good for her six children. And Roop, despite his good nature, is reluctant to take on fatherhood. I'm dying to hear your thoughts on this, guys. The one thing you missed was the amazing soundtrack. So... Oh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. And Curtis Mayfield. Curtis Mayfield's on there too, okay. Yeah, Curtis Mayfield's kind of orchestrating the entire thing. And the whole film starts out on a black screen with the music kicking in for a few seconds before you see anything. And it immediately puts you in that that mindset of being in Harlem and just in the early 70s. And it got me going and really carried it through the whole film for me. Kind of an across 110th Street feel. Yeah. Chelsea? I really like this movie. I didn't have high hopes going into it. Okay. Other than I think I'd probably like the soundtrack after well, I heard the first song. But... Based I really on the enjoyed cover it. art, I mean, I wouldn't seek this out, but it turns out to be really good, right? I, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. So there are some heavy things to unpack in the movie. We do have a situation in New York in the 1970s, and we have a single mother with six kids, and she's on welfare. And she, the very opening scene on the bus, all of her her co-workers or friends who work in the, the same kind of suburban field as her, uh, they're like, you need that vitamin D. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so very shortly thereafter, James Earl Jones shows up and he was charismatic, but also really goofy, yeah. like more goofy than I've ever seen him be before. Yeah. I found him to be pretty funny. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, she's having to hide any kind of gains that she gets. Right. The from, toaster. <laughs> well, yeah, she has to hide that from the social worker so yes. she can continue to get her benefits. And then, of course, uh, James Earl Jones, as we learn, has his own children yes. that he's neglected. Mm -hmm. So it is a kind of a conflicted story. It's like he's saying, well, I, I'm down for getting in with you and your kids. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he's got his own family that yes. he's not doing anything with. So he's not perfect. He's and got... He's got kids from a 
couple of X's. But there was there, there's some really cool stuff in this movie. There really is. And I'm so glad that we picked it because, I like you, I never would have seen this film. Exactly. All right. Well, the roles that we're going to recast are Claudine. Uh, Claudine Price, played by Diane Carroll. Diane Carroll was 39 at the time, but playing 36. Is that correct? Yep. All right. And then uh, we've got Roop. Rupert Roop B. Marshall, played by James Earl Jones, who was 43 at the time. He was way more patient than I would have been. Uh, very first time he pops into her apartment and sees oh, one, it, it's two, a madhouse. Three, four, five. Oh, wait, there's one more in the bathroom? No, I would have been out. And uh, then we've got the, the third role is going to be played by the son, uh, Charles Price. Charles Price is the um, somewhat politically motivated, but also kind of a slacker son who still lives at home. And he's ashamed of his mom for being on public assistance and for having so many kids and doesn't want her to have any romance in her life because we got enough kids around here. And he even goes so far as to chop his own dick off. <laughs> no, that's what his his uh, brothers and sisters assume because he gets a vasectomy. He willingly gets a vasectomy, which to me, uh, they don't actually say his age, but I think that he must have been presumably 18 if he could go and get that done by himself. Well, I think they say in the film that he is 18. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he's 18. So that means that if Claudine is 36, then she had him when she was 18. All right, so those are the roles we're going to recast. Chelsea, are you ready? I'm ready. All right, go ahead. Uh, my actress, mostly known for TV, and she got her career start on Full House as okay. Michelle, T Michelle Tanner's BFF. But you'd see her most recently in Lovecraft Country. I went with uh, Journey Smollett. Ah, Journey Smollett. I didn't know she was on Full House. Mm -hmm. And... I thought, wait, whose BFF is she? Michelle's. Michelle's one of the... Or Mary Kate the, and Ashley Olsen character. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Because I was going to say, isn't isn't the older daughter's best friend named like Six or something like that? That's Blossom. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. The older daughter's BFF on Full House is Kimmy Gibbler. Hmm. All right. Over to you, Sean. All right, I went with an actress who was in the TV series Empire. Uh-uh. That's meant to throw you off. Um, she was in Sing, Hairspray Live, Cats, and she's... The Butthole going, Edition? And she's going to be in the upcoming film Respect about Aretha Franklin. Ah, okay. With Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson's a good pick. Interesting. All right. Uh, well, my actor is... 30, excuse me, she's 41 now. She's a little bit older. Uh, she's of Cuban, Puerto Rican, and African-American descent. She was in the movie Kids, 25th Hour, Gimme Shelter with J.E.J., -E which is how I'm going to refer to him from now on, James Earl Jones, J.E.J. -E uh, also, she's in The Mandalorian. Her name is Rosario Dawson. Very nice. Rosario Dawson is my pick for that. Moving it along to the man of the hour, Roop. Roop was played by James Earl Jones when he was 43. And Chelsea, what were you thinking about for this? 
So oddly enough, my actor was also in Cats. Oh. Um, James Corden. Yeah, you nailed it. Uh, it was James in, Earl Corden. It was in Star Trek Beyond, Thor. Hmm. Uh, I went with Idris Elba. Ah, oh, yeah. Very nice. All right, Sean, back to you, buddy. It's your turn. <laughs> I went with a 43-year-old actor who was in films such as Dirty Pretty Things, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, 2012. Oh, he was also a voice in The Lion King. Uh, but he was most known for 12 Years a Slave. I went with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Chiwetel Ejiofor? Yep. All right. My actor is 43 now. He's a British-Nigerian actor. He was the voice of Scar in 2019's The Lion, the Lion King, opposite J.E.J. -E as Mufasa. He was in a movie called Z for Zachariah, Children of Men, and 12 Years a Slave, his name is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> we got one more, and that is the son, Charles, played by Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, uh, who was 21 at the time. And he was in Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> I don't know why there's a comma in the title. Is Welcome it, Back, Cotter. Is this grammatically correct? Wouldn't you just say, welcome back, Cotter? Well, you do. Uh, and he's also in a movie called Cooley High. Have you ever seen Cooley High? I've heard of it, and I also played a song the other night at Trivia that's from the soundtrack to that movie, um, but I need to check it out. And also, he was in Roots. Yes. Along with J.E.J. -E yes. Uh, also later on in his career, he played Joe Jackson in the 1992 miniseries, the Jacksons and American dream. Did you guys ever see that miniseries? I did. No. Uh, you did see it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like for the time it was right around when he, when Michael Jackson was getting his first like allegations and accusations. And it felt like a little bit of a, like, here's why he's all fucked up because his childhood was so fucked up. I, I specifically remember a scene where his dad tells him he has to go under the table. Yeah. Under the tables. Uh, anyway, who's your pick for the son, Chelsea? Charles. Uh, so my actor's not super well known, but I thought of him from this TV show. I think it was on Netflix called Everything Sucks about the 90s. That only had one season. It's a great show. I'm so depressed. Really? It's not bad. Yeah, it's great. And I'm gonna butcher this name jahi winston jahi winston jahi i don't I know i think jahi is probably close that's All what right. i thought anyways that's who i picked fair enough sean over to you bud i'm going with a 20 year old actor um <clears throat> i'm sorry 21 year old actor he was in he's been in the tv series 911 Mm, he, that's a phone number he's been in the series dash and lily um he was in lethal weapon the tv series as roger Murtaugh jr huh uh, he's been in uh law and order svu but he is most recently and probably most well known he played the role of daryl in ma remember that uh, ma. i saw ma his name is dante brown okay oh man he's too old for this shit <laughs> i hear you 
All right, my uh, pick is uh, 25 now, but he looks way younger. Okay. For example, uh, he was 21 when he played the teenage Chiron in 2016's Moonlight. He's also in a movie called Native Son. He's in Captive State. And he's in a new Netflix prison drama called All Day and All Night with Jeffrey Wright. His name is Ashton Sanders. Mm-hmm. And he looks young enough to play an 18-year-old. Gotcha. All right. So let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some Earl Grey tea. <laughs> nice. Nice. All right, Chop Shoppers, thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis, and I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh, yeah, subscribe. on iTunes. And, and, or, and, and pin your friends down and, and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under like, like, like Make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it. and multiply. A podsy scheme. Oh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show, don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinema chop shop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at Cinema Chop Shop. We do a lot of stuff on there like our movie marathon where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. And now, on with the show. And we're back. Thank you, Chop Shoppers, for bearing with us during intermission. I had to go uh, water the grass. And when we come back from intermission, what are we doing, Sean? Beer check-ins. And what is this beer that you presented us with? It's an on-theme beer from 13 Stripes Brewing in the upstate of South Carolina. What's it called? It's the Dapper Lion. The Dapper Lion. In honor of Simba himself. Well, Simba was not. I'm sorry. Mufasa. Mufasa. Damn it. Yeah, you just got uh, Lion Kinged. I I lost all my street cred I have with the Lion King crowd. You lost all of your Savannah cred. (laughs) All right, I'm going to go ahead and crack it open. It smells good. I'm going to taste it. It's an IPA. 13 Stripes uh, Brewery. The Dapper Lion India Pale Ale, 6.7%, one pint. Dedicated to animal care, education, and conservation, the Greenville Zoo spans across 14 acres in the heart of Greenville, South Carolina. Its team relentlessly works to protect and preserve 
over 200 animals daily, proudly representing all corners of the animal kingdom. It's the circle of life. So this is a straight-up IPA. There's yeah. very little haze or fruitiness to it. This is more of a traditional IPA. West IPA. Coast. Not even West Coast, just traditional IPA. India. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So when we get done with the beer check-in, we go into our 2021 movie marathon. And as of this recording, it is the 15th day of the year. I shouldn't have to look at my notes for that because it is January 15th. This is the only month where the day of the month is also the day of the year. And Chelsea, what are you what number are you on? I'm dying to know. I want to hear your guys's first. Well, I'm on 15. I'm on the day. Okay. I'm on 18. I'm on 55. Jeez, Louise. Jeez, Thelma and Louise. Uh, you've been rocking them out. And I I know it's because we're all uh, uh, teleworking right mm -hmm. now. We're all kind of working from home. And uh, it's very easy to have something on in the background. It really while, is. While we do our thing. And uh, that's really cool. So what's your first check-in for this week, Chelsea? Um, so it's a documentary from 2018 called Pick of the Litter. And it's basically about these adorable labs this litter of labs that's born and they go through this training to become guide dogs and as a chemist you're very interested in labs yeah <laughs> no it's really sweet it's really cute i enjoyed it a lot i love cute dogos yeah all right over to you sean what's your first check-in for this week i'm checking in a documentary uh that i caught on hbo max called knuckleball knuckleball this is a baseball movie then it's a baseball doc about the very strange misunderstood pitch the knuckleball okay what do you mean by misunderstood well it very few pitchers employ it very few mm. pitchers use it as their primary pitch. let me let me describe what i think it is okay it's a pitch that at first trajectory appears to be going straight over the plate but then does something different at the last minute right more or less yes because the way most of the time, most of the time when you throw the ball, your fingers are over the mm -hmm. ball to create rotation. And you lick your fingers first. No. A knuckleballer, it's really their fingernails that are pushing mm -hmm. the ball forward. And what it does is it's, it stifles the rotation of the ball. And as a result, you've got a very low speed pitch that can do a lot of weird shit on the way to the plate. It can drop, it can kind of curve, but also from the batter's point of view, it's just defying physics. And so this documentary covers uh, modern-day knuckleballers Tim Wakefield and R.A. Dickey. And it also talks about the uh, kind of their, their, their mentors. And they actually go into the mentorship of Charlie Huff and Phil Necro. Um, the only thing about the documentary I didn't like, or I wish, it left me wanting rather, was it really didn't break into the scientific side of the knuckleball. What makes it do what it does? What does it look like to the batter? They didn't really go into that, but it was really a great job of kind of delving into this really strange corner niche of baseball. Mm -hmm. So I, I recommend it. If you've got HBO Max, check it out. And what was that title one more time? Knuckleball. My first check-in is going to be number 11 and complete transparency. Complete transparency. I watched this before New Year's, but I forgot to check it in. Oh. It's called The Kid Detective from 2020. A once celebrated kid detective, now 31, 
continues to solve some the same trivial mysteries between hangovers and bouts of self-pity <laughs> until a naive client brings him his first, quote, adult case to find out who brutally murdered her boyfriend. Uh, do you want to know what uh, frequent guest Joey Poole said about this? He, no, please he tell says, me. He says, this is not the Encyclopedia Brown reboot we wanted. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's actually pretty good. I like the premise. I like I the idea. Uh, Adam Brody. Okay. Adam Brody is the main guy. All right. Next up, Chelsea. Uh, so this is the 2020 movie. It's called Save Yourselves. It's on Netflix. And like the tagline is turning off their phones was the dumbest idea on the planet. Hmm. Basically, it's about this couple in New York. And it's the girl from Glow, Eleanor Wilson. Um, the, I don't the Indian girl. Oh, yes. Okay. And um, yeah, she got cast in the role of the terrorist or whatever. Yeah. yeah okay. Anyways, her and her boyfriend like go up to this cabin to like shut their phones off, disconnect, just like be with each other for a week. Go off the grid. They miss an alien invasion. What? And it's it's pretty it's pretty funny. Tell I me mean, the name again. It's called Save Yourselves. Save Yourselves. What year? Twenty twenty. Ooh, I want to watch this. It's on Netflix. Cool. Nice. Over to you, Sean. All right, I'm going to check in Soul from Pixar, and I'm going to make the very unpopular statement. I didn't really care for this movie. That's just because you don't like movies about shoes. No. Um, I hated the parts I was supposed to like, the afterlife stuff, the spark. Um, didn't really care for it. I was kind of bored with the the uh, jazz music portion uh, because we already saw Coco. Which was, you know, look how he's playing the guitar and this is all CGI. And we're supposed to be amazed at how he's playing the piano. So I was really kind of put off by that. What I did like was Pixar's depiction of New York City. I felt like... Oh, that was cool, yeah. It was really nice. And uh, like three quarters of the way through the movie, I was like, wait a minute. This isn't real. Somebody made all of this from scratch. And here I am saying, yeah, that looks like New York City. I can feel the vibe. That part of it, they nailed. Um the parts that were not jazz music hmm. was all Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Yeah, absolutely. And that shit was great. I was feeling that music all through the film. Uh, yeah. And I, you know, again, I don't want to sound like I'm just like slamming it too bad, but I didn't love it. I've seen better Pixar movies. Mm -hmm. Like that one about the lamp. <laughs> all right. My turn. I'm going with number 12. Batman, Soul of the Dragon from 2021. Oh my God. Uh, this might be the first 2021 movie I've checked in. So they were really going for a 70s vibe. It was a flashback thing to where when in the 70s, Batman, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, trained in China to learn Kung Fu. And I, I can see where they were going, but the... R-rated DCAU, DC Animated Universe films, uh, the novelty's wearing off. All right, Chelsea, you got one more? Yep. Uh, this is also a 2020 film. Um, pretty, pretty heavy subject. It's called Pieces of a Woman. It's with Shia LaBeouf. Oh, okay. Basically, him and his wife, they have a at-home birth that kind of has a terrible ending and it's about them is it a demon baby no um it's about them kind of struggling with the fallout of that oh okay. 
Is there postpartum depression? No, I, I think it's all just grief. Hmm. But they they nail it. It was it was good. Yeah, it's it's a hard watch. Um, it's hard to watch Shia LaBeouf right now. It, it really is. But she was amazing. And oh, what's the actress name? Vanessa Kirby. She was great. Vanessa Kirby. I I definitely. Know she that looks name. familiar, but the yeah. name doesn't ring anything for me. But it was it was really good. And Sean, over to you, bud. Um, my final check in is a fucked up weird movie. From 1972. Good. I have a fucked up movie for my last check. I told you a little bit about this Wednesday night. Toys are not for children. This is on Amazon Prime and it shouldn't be. Uh, Daddy Issues is an understatement in one of the strangest bad movies I've ever seen. The acting borders on Manos quality, but the plot is unmatched. Manos, the hands of fate? Yeah. The acting is that bad. Wow. However, the story's Fucking off the rails crazy. It's about a young girl. I'm sorry. About an 18-year-old girl whose father is not... That's young compared to us. Uh, Her father was there for early portions of her life, but he left. And her mother has constantly told her what a shitbag he is. However, he's always sending her toys and dolls for her birthday. Even though she's into her late teens, she's got arrested development as a result of this. He doesn't get it. The film opens up with her lying naked in bed holding the doll close to her body going... I love you, Daddy. It's oh, wow. really uncomfortable. I saw bits and pieces. Yeah, of- it's I'm uncomfortable. uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. It was hearing not. Sean describe it. It she, was not okay. She becomes a prostitute, a sex worker, in New York. The heart of gold. Uh, in New York, and she caters to the daddy crowd. I'm gonna go ahead and spoil it. She ends up reuniting with her daddy in the most awkward fucking oh, way possible. Oh, no. like the remake of Old Boy. It's. Yes. Oh. Yes. So if you're into that, watch this movie. If not, stay very, very far away. I'm in two time zones away. Mm-hmm. All right. My last check-in for this week is going to be Attack of the Giant Blurry Finger. All right. This movie is absurd and super indie and kind of hilarious if you can get through it. It's only a little over an hour long. Uh, so my review, <coughs> absurd satirical suspense film in which the menace is the finger in the way of the camera. <laughs> so you've got this girl who's home alone. She, ke- she keeps like thinking that she sees something out of the corner of her eye. And it's the blurry finger. The, the blurry finger that's in every photo that you wish turned out awesome, right? So one thing leads to another, and uh, they end up getting married, the girl and the giant blurry finger. And then he leaves her at the altar, and then everything explodes. Okay. It was okay. wackadoodle. I love it. Uh, that's my last check-in. I'm going to say... Not a recommend, not a recommend, and recommend. Yeah, I recommend Knuckle Wall and nothing else. I recommend all of mine. All right, so that brings us to the second part of our feature segment, which is the recast continued. James Earl Jones strikes back. The sequel. And the film that we've decided to go with is Clear and Present Danger. From 1994, uh, directed by 
Philip Noyce. 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 It's got a 73% on on Rotten Tomatoes. I think that's about right. Yeah, it's it's this is the is this the last installment of the Harrison Ford Jack Ryan? It's the last Harrison Ford, it's the last James Earl Jones, and it's the last Philip Noyce. <laughs> I guess we should say, you know, James Earl Jones doesn't figure heavily into this movie. Well, but a it, little bit. But he at is the beginning. The, yeah, but he is the book. This is a bookend on his role because he was in uh, Hunt for Red October. Yes, and Patriot, Patriot Games, Games, which we've recast Patriot Games, mm-hmm. uh, so we couldn't do that. And one. we've talked about Hunt for Red October. Right, so we're doing this one today. So Agent Jack Ryan, played by Harrison Ford, becomes acting deputy director of the CIA when Admiral Greer, played by James Earl Jones, is diagnosed with cancer. When an American businessman and friend of the president is murdered on a yacht, Ryan starts discovering links between the man and drug dealers. As CIA agent John Clark, played by Willem Dafoe, is sent to Columbia to kill drug kingpins in retaliation, Ryan must fight through multiple cover-ups to figure out what happened and who's responsible. Chelsea, you saw this for the first time. I did. And it was your first Jack Ryan movie? Yeah. So, thoughts? I I really enjoyed it and I thought a lot of their like military stuff was spot on. Tom Clancy does a good job of being spot on with military stuff and the the feel of these movies is kind of a suspenseful uh build up of adrenaline. Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. All right. So the roles that we're going to recast are Jack Ryan, played by Harrison Ford, who was 52 at the time. So also then we have the role of Kathy Ryan, his wife, played by Ann Archer, who was 47 at the time. But then we've got Admiral James Greer, played by James Earl Jones. He's just like, just name it James. And then finally, we have the role of Colonel Felix Cortez, played by Joaquim de Almeida. And he was 37 at the time. He's one of the bad guys. Yeah, he's one of the bad guys. He turns out to be the main bad guy. All right, so Chelsea, who is your recast for Harrison Ford in this film? Um, this is one of my most favorites ever. Yes. Uh-oh. He needs no introduction. Uh-oh. We did a whole episode dedicated to him. What? I went with Timothy Oliphant. Oh, oh shit. Yeah. Oliphantitis of the something. It was it was a funny title. Yep. All like right, that's bits. cool. I can see that. And is he about the right age? Yep, he's he in is. the range. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Thanks. I just saw you. I just saw your cheeks when you smiled when I said good job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, over to you, bud. Um, I went with an actor who is uh, age appropriate. He's fifty years old. Um, he was in the uh, Tomb Raider reboot, hmm. starring Vikander. Uh, he was in Punisher Warzone. He was in Chicago. He was in uh, The Affair and The Wire. I went with Dominic West. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who he is. I think Dominic West has some face value to this as well. Well, now I wonder if you're we- talking face value, then you're going to be blown the fuck away by my next pick. Knock my nuts off. My pick for Harrison Ford's character of Tom Ryan is 52 now as well. He was in The Black Dahlia. He was in The Rum Diary. He was in Missing. And the upcoming Wander, if it's not out already. Mm, yes, it uh, is. With Tommy Lee Jones, which he is coincidentally uh, played the same character in the Batman universe of Two-Face. Ah. His name is Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Aaron oh, yeah, that's Eckhart. a good one. Good look one. at that face value. Yeah. That's Just good. look at it. That's good. Would you look at it? Next up, we've got Kathy Ryan, played by Ann Archer, who was 47 at the time. Chelsea? So I needed an actress that wasn't going to like steal the spotlight from Timothy, but she also had to look like a doctor, but also be awesome, but not too awesome. And so I went with Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. She's great. Mm-hmm. Over to you, Sean. Um, one of the things I like about the Kathy Ryan character in all of the Jack Ryan books is that she's really fucking smart. Yes, she is. She's a medical doctor. She's probably smarter than Jack, and he probably says that several times mm-hmm. that she is. Oh, he knows it. So I wanted an actress who kind of can pull that off as well. She's 48 years old. Uh, she was in Deadwood. She was in The Wicker Man with the bees, as well as uh, the TV series Lost in Space. But I really liked her in the TV series House of Cards with Molly Parker. Hmm. Molly Parker is a good pick, dude. All right, so my pick for the Kathy Ryan character is 47 now as well. Uh, She was in Mission Impossible 3. She's in Yes Man. She's in NCIS, Rizzoli and Isles, and Love Happens with Aaron Eckhart. Her (laughs) name is Sasha Alexander. Sasha Alexander. I like her. Is my pick. Is she Rizzoli or Isles? She's the doctor. So I think it's Dr. Isles. She's Isles? Yeah. Cool. We got one more. Or two more, rather. Uh, we got the man of the hour. It's James Earl Jones playing Admiral James Greer. And Chelsea, who did you think about for this? I struggled to think of somebody. But then there's this Twitter page that I follow that I really like. And then James was, Earl Jones Twitter? No. And then I was like, oh my God, this is the person. And he was in the age range. So I was like, this is cool. I went with uh, Don Cheadle. Yeah, Don Cheadle. He's good. Sean, over to you. All right. So my actor is 65 years old. And James Earl Jones, known for his voice, I decided to go with an actor who's also known for his voice. Mm-hmm. He was in 2020's The Good Lord Bird. Oh, I've seen that. He was in. Well, that's a TV show. I've only seen part of it. He is going to be in an upcoming uh, segment of the Shutter reboot of Creep Show. Yeah, he had a great role in the movie Pitch Black, but most people will know him from his roles in The Thing and They Live. I went with Keith David. Keith David, my pick for Admiral James Greer. He's fifty-five now. Uh, he's in 2001's Ali. He plays Felix Leiter in 
007, several of those in the Daniel Craig era. He plays a convict in All Day and All Night with my pick for Charles from the previous film, Ashton Sanders. He also is playing Commissioner Gordon in 2022's The Batman. He's also in Westworld. Oh, okay. His name is Jeffrey Wright. Gotcha. Jeffrey Wright. We got one more, guys. One more. You can do it. Unamas. No, I I've, I, didn't update my calendar, so I only had the three. Oh, you don't have one for this? I don't have one for this. All right, I'll go straight to Sean. We're talking about the Colonel, Felix Cortez who's one of the bad guys in this film. And he was portrayed by Joaquim de Almeida, uh, who was 37 at the time. And this actor is very recognizable. He usually plays kind of a typecast, uh, South American criminal type. And uh, every time I saw the name Almeida, I immediately thought about the show 24. Sean, who's your pick for him? I went with a 37-year-old actor who is described as being arguably one of Latin America's widely known talents. Hmm. He's from uh, Mexico. How old is he? Um, he's 37. Okay, good. Uh, he can be seen in the TV adaptation of The Exorcist. He was also in the short-lived and ill-fated TV series Sense8. Sense8 was not good. Yeah, it had promise, but it just never went there. I think you liked it more than me. Oh, I didn't. No, I didn't like it at all. Um, he was uh, in a TV series called Queen of the South, and uh, his name is Alfonso Herrera. Alfonso oh, yeah, yeah. Herrera. I know him. Alfonso Herrera. All right, my pick is 45 now. He's older, but it doesn't okay. matter. doesn't matter. He's just a shit It doesn't matter guy. at yeah. all. Uh, he's in a movie that... I think we all watched recently called I Can Do Bad All By Myself. Yep. And he's also in About Last Night. He's on multiple TV shows, including CSI Miami and Criminal Minds. His name is Adam Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Coolness. Okay. Can you see him? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Adam Rodriguez is my pick for this. Final thoughts. Recommend or no, Chelsea? Uh, recommend. Recommend? Yeah. yeah. Considering that it was the first time that you saw it. Yeah. Right on. Sean? Yeah, I mean, it's it's the Tom Clancy series. and uh, They're fun. Yeah, Harrison Ford was great as Jack Ryan. and. But how good would Aaron Eckhart be? Okay. He'd be good. <laughs> Bringing us to our final bonus segment. It's going to be a battle royale between the following three figures James Earl Jones versus Tommy Lee Jones versus Catherine Zeta Jones oh my Chelsea you go first I'm picking Darth Vader Darth Vader so you mean James James Earl Jones yeah Yeah. 100% it's like not even a competition yeah I mean respect to Tommy Lee Jones um Catherine Zeta Jones is forever lied about her age. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Earl Jones, all the way for me. He has the most delightful smile. Yeah, you mentioned earlier in the episode about his range. He's funny as fuck. He is a funny dude, and 
we associate him with his distinguished roles so yes. much. He has some. Look at his stuff from the seventies. He was a funny, funny man. Yes, and a lot of charis, a lot of charisma, uh, a lot of fun. So yeah, he he's he's my guy in this. So so sorry to Tommy Lee and Catherine Zeta. We're unanimous Woo! in the Yay! pick yeah. for James Earl Jones. We're gonna wrap it up now. We want to thank Chelsea for doing all the things that you do. Being the regulator of the chop shop. Thanks for having me. Anything you want to plug? Uh, trivia. Uh, trivia. Right answers with right, well, Travis. Well, yeah. It was kind of fucked up this week when at halftime, five teams were like, yeah, the score's wrong. And then all five of those teams were like, no, you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I want to I want to thank my co-host and co-producer, uh, the Brew Boss. Anything you want to plug, sir? Uh, Adios Amigo is going to be tapped on Wednesday. Nice, and we're going to put a Mexican or a Mexico category in trivia as well. Sure thing. Uh, but also going back to uh, our movie news, check out the uh, the KinoMarquee.com. So. I want to ask you, is it a strictly web-based or can you get like an app? Oh, yeah. It, you can do it on Roku. You can do it on Amazon. Fire, Fire Stick. Yeah. Nice. Yep. I'm totally down for this. This is so exciting. Do you know what next week's episode is? Well, we had to pull a switcheroo. We're going to have a very special guest next week. We'll have Dr. Julian. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be uh, Doctor Movies. Doctor slash Hospital Movies. Right on. And so I do have a sneak preview question and answer for next week's episode and or next this coming week's trivia rather. In the 1987 film Critical Condition, con man Kevin Lenahan, framed in a jewel smuggling operation, tries for an insanity plea and is sent to a hospital for review where he is confused for a doctor. And takes over the hospital. We're looking for who plays the lead role of Kevin Lenaham, a.k.a. Dr. Eddie Slattery. Steve Gutenberg. I don't know. He doesn't have any prior convictions. It's Richard Pryor. Oh, oh he did Rich. give us a hint. Nice. All right, so we want to plug the podcast itself. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on all of your podcatcher apps. Uh, We're on Podbean at Cinema Chop Shop. Also, just search for Cinema Chop Shop on Gmail, Twitter, Facebook, and Untapped, the beers that we checked in today. We checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. We're Cinema Chop Shop on there. And we want to say farewell to you, the listeners. Please remember that Black Lives Matter, wear a mask, social distance, and accept reality. (laughs) Also, watch Chop Retrofit. (laughs) Oh my God.